0: Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Faith Conversations Welcome to Faith Conversations, everyone. Glad you have uh, either downloaded the podcast for the very first time. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know we've been up and going for over six years now. So if you're brand new, welcome. And you've got uh, a lot of podcasts to listen to in the back catalog. So I hope you do that. But today I am delighted to have uh, in conversation with me Felicia Wu Song. And um, I'm excited about it because... It's a topic I think we all are interested in on various levels. Um, she has written a book called Restless Devices. I do not even know where that book title came into my view, um, but I saw it, and I immediately clicked on it, and I immediately read all that I could that was offered in the free sample on Amazon <laughs> that I contacted InterVarsity Press, et cetera, et cetera. But let me just say this, that uh, Felicia is professor of sociology at Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California. And uh, in her background, she her undergrad was in history from Yale, um, communication studies, um, at Northwestern, um, where she received an MA and a PhD in sociology at University of Virginia. So all good things in her background that have brought her to this topic and to the writing of this book. Felicia, welcome to Faith Conversations. Thank you. It's so great to be with you. Well, I the first question for me, I'll, there's always a reason why a particular topic, why something that would take you the length of a book. So why this topic? What is your interest? And, um, and specifically now? Mm.
1: Yeah, so um, I've been interested in the social effects of media and technology for a while now. Um, And the book itself really came out of Many experiences of having the opportunity to speak to different groups of people, whether they're at churches or on university campuses, or even teaching my undergraduates, Um, I uh, my favorite experience um, in those occasions is is always the Q and A. And at the end, after the talk, when people come up after and they ask the questions they're afraid to ask. That's right. (laughs) Um, And it's those interactions where I. Can started seeing a pattern, right? People were coming up and just saying, um, "Thanks so much for the talk." You know, blah blah blah. Um, I'm just really frustrated, or I'm I feel overwhelmed by my digital demands. I feel stuck. I'm I'm exhausted. I just don't know what to do. And it's whether it's for themselves, it's for their kids, it's for their loved ones, whoever it is. It was just this drumbeat of people feeling. Mm-hmm despair, really. Um, and just thinking about um, wanting to put something together that would provide um, both what I think sociology has to offer, which is a really nice lens for diagnosing the the challenge or the problem that many of us are, are trying to navigate, but also pairing that with a theologically informed um, prescription, shall we say, of, of what one might do about it. Mm. Um, because I, I really just feel um, uh, convinced that Christianity um, in its heritage and its in theology holds rich um, resources for us to uh, tackle. Um, the challenges of, of the digital landscape that we have today. So, um, so the book really came out of those interactions um, and wanting to write something for those people that were coming and talking.
0: Well, so uh, let me even take a little step back. You know, this this podcast um, releases, and I know people listen to it at all different times. You know, they mm-hmm. may hear this weeks, months later, etc. But the the release day of this happens to be. Um, the week of ash wednesday mm-hmm. and so uh, at some point we we'll, i'm sure the word lent will raise up in our conversation uh, mm-hmm. i honestly didn't even think about that as i was booking this conversation with you mm-hmm. but i also want to make note that today the day of our recording which is the thursday before that monday um fighting broke out war really broke out in ukraine russia invading ukraine and so it's interesting to me that, you know, I am well connected. I'm paying attention to this happening, world happening via my devices, right? Even as we're talking about restless devices. And I didn't say this at the outset, but I am uh, recording this on a device, my MacBook. To the left of me is my iPhone, which has an uptimer. Uh, stopwatch going to see what how long we're talking. And to the right of me is your book uh, in Kindle form on my iPad. <laughs> so I, I'm not even sure how to feel about all of this as we begin <laughs> this conversation, but I felt that that needed to be mentioned right here at the outset. And I, I also wanted to say this too. One of the things that I read early on in your book and, and feel free to comment on anything that I just said as well, you know, keeping in touch with world events and how mm-hmm. devices have certainly shifted that mm-hmm. for good or ill. I even said that to my husband this morning mm-hmm. for good or ill that we know everything immediately uh, question mark. I, right. Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciated that you wrote in your book that you are a late adopter, mm-hmm. even while studying, uh, <laughs> you know, this whole digital, um, information age you know mm-hmm. since the year email became mainstream mm-hmm. and which and I was even wondering when was that it had to be early 90s right mid 90s yeah now mid 90s okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so i've said a mouthful i'll let you respond to whatever <laughs> you want to in that in there
1: yeah um i mean i think the approach that i take towards the digital is um, one that says, you know, we are—we're not moving away from this, yeah, right. Like, that's not an option um, for most people. Um, and so, even though we would like to just throw it all in the garbage can some days, right? Yank it out of the outlets and just chuck it all—that's um, just not going to happen. And so, we need to start thinking systematically and intentionally about how we can build a life that we actually want to live with in relation to these devices. Um, and what does that even look like, right? Um, nobody knows, right? Like nobody's done this before. And that's what I often have to remind, uh, especially young parents, right? As, as they're raising children and they're anxious and they're um, about what, they're doing and feeling overwhelmed, I, I often try to remind them, nobody has done this before you, you know, like parenting has been done. Yes. but This <laughs> particular set of uh, variables and dynamics, nobody's done. And, and that's terrifying, but also hopefully reassuring <laughs> um, if you're feeling just at sea, because like nobody, you, we, we're all going to try to figure this out together.
0: And may I ask that when you're talking to parents today, this is really that first generation that is being born into life with all kinds of devices. I think of my, I have a 29 year old, so he was born in 92. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's right at the beginning of things. And I had to, here I am as a parent, I had to push him to get an iPhone in, in middle school, because I thought it would be easier for us to communicate at that okay. point. I was a single mom and, yeah. you know, I, I need to be able to let you know if I'm running late, so you won't be afraid or whatever. Yeah, And he didn't want it. He's like, I don't need that. Which <laughs> Today I remind him of that. And I, we laugh, but, <laughs> but now, but he didn't have the phone or the iPad that I could hand to him in a doctor's office or in a place where, Hey, just do this while we have to wait a long time. Today's parents, their kids have had this from birth on.
1: Yes. Yes. And they have, uh, Alexa, um, on the counter, um, tablets to play on. Um, and Mm -hmm. then when you go to school, um, most, you know, at least public schools um, require you to have a laptop or a tablet. So it's it's fairly inescapable.
0: Well, um, and, and with the, the pandemic, uh, oh, yes. you know, yes. starting to wane, at least in some form, um, all the home, you know, school happening on Zoom from home. I mean, it was a yeah. requirement. You couldn't even be going to school or connected to school without it. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, and
1: right. And that's where back to your uh, point about um, having the, the good and the bad of having immediate access to news. Right. Yeah. Having having the Zoom access to school was was a, a true gift in so many ways that that children could stay connected to some degree. And yet the costs and the downsides were incredibly high as well, right? Um, and so it's, I think that's what's so difficult, right? To parse with our digital technologies it, it, is that it's not just good or just bad. It is both, right? It is both. And and so that's what um, is, is so um, challenging, right? About
0: knowing how to live with it. And also I'm going to Get your response to this, but I, as a follower of Jesus, I, I think this is good that I'm aware of world happenings. I will pray. I can pray. Possibility to pray is there. But do, do we stop and pray or do we just ogle and search for more news? Just want to know more, but don't actually use it for an occasion? to pray. I you know, I don't know. I mean I'm posing that because yeah um of the nature of what we can see and find.
1: Right. Yeah. Well I, I think the the current digital landscape provides such a deluge of news and information that it it really outstrips our human capacity to be able to um, respond um, in the ways that we would like to. And, and I think even, you know I mean, even you saying that um, prayer would be a response, in my mind, that's already a pretty high bar, right? <laughs> like I think for a lot of people, just even emotionally engaging in everything itself, is already overwhelming, right? There's just yes. too much bad news around the world,
0: right? Right, That's very and, true. and
1: there's been years and years of research already um, on you know the effects of news consumption. You know, back in the days of just TV, <laughs> right? Right, um, and and how the news is bent towards the bad news side of things. But I think um, I think one of the things I'm interested in is helping us have conversations that will, um, give us a clearer sense of what our human finitude is actually. Mm. Right. Um, and, 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 and not feel and not having that finitude be something that is merely frustrating. (laughs) Um, but something to actually kind of live into and mm-hmm. trust mm-hmm. that the Lord does not call us to watch every single piece of news, pray every single, you know, right. every book, right? Like for most of us, we have a call, right? What it means to be faithful, yes, right? Isn't to merely kind of, um, blast out our energy, right. Um, in full, in a, in a full maximal state, right. Emotionally in our prayer life, right. Like God's not calling us to that. Right. Um, but, but we need to discern, right. Uh, we need to discern what it is in our particular, um, lives, right. Yes. That we, what is it that we are called to attend to? Yes. Right.
0: right. Um, and, and that, that takes time, and, yes. and um, intention. Yes. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I wrote down a sentence here and I'm sure that it came from your book. I didn't write, write down where, but I, I bet early on you, you posed this question, which I thought was so interesting. What did consciousness feel like before mobile devices? Do yeah. we even remember, I mean, even, uh, uh, you know, adults, I, I, I don't even remember back before that. Um, and, and you also wrote that at some point, and I don't know if you put a year to this, but you, you mentioned that a a number of years ago, you found yourself getting irritable and just in generally just discomforted when opening up your laptop or looking at your phone, whatever the case may be. I, I wonder how many, you know, I think that that was, a happening and I pray that it still is something that happens to us. I wonder, I, uh, I feel like we've become good at dismissing that, but what happened when you felt that, what did you start thinking about and decide to, to do?
1: Yeah. So that was a period in my life when, um, I started feeling like the technology and the devices were, were pushing me around (laughs) is the way I think about it, right? That for so long, I thought I was using the technologies and it was, I was, it was, it was a tool that was enabling me to, you know, be more efficient and, and have more fun and things like that. Um, but then I, I just, it, yeah, I started feeling driven. By it. And I, and I use the word soft tyranny in the book, uh, often <laughs> it's, it's a kind of soft tyranny, right. Um, cause it's, no one's forcing me to mm-hmm. look at my device. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just something pulling on me from the inside. Right. Um, and, and so at that time, um, you know, especially because it is my job to be thinking about these things. <laughs> uh, I started, um, well, one wondering if anyone else was thinking this way or feeling this way, um, and also wondering about, um, really, you know, what what it was that was. Um, or how could we structure our lives in a way, both individually and collectively, you know, within organizations um, in a way that would start to um, address or ameliorate that, that feeling of um, discontent and overwhelm. Um, I certainly started thinking a lot more about what the companies are doing um, to make devices and software and platforms and services indispensable, um, and hard to resist. Mm. And, and so, um, you know, and I, I have a family of my own. And so thinking about the impact on all of their individual lives and wondering if they're feeling this, um, thinking probably not, cause I'm, I'm usually the oddball on these <laughs> things, <laughs> funny. but, um, yeah, just, just starting <sighs> to wonder.
0: I remember uh, at some point, I can't put a year to it, but I remember thinking, longing um, for the days when getting on a flight, because I remember feeling uh, when I used to get on a flight and you could not access the internet, um, which is periodically still true, but most flights, there's the ability Mm -hmm. to connect to Wi-Fi. Um, that I would feel so relieved that no one could reach me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that I could reach out to, to no one. I, I loved that, mm-hmm. but somewhere along the line, that ceased being, and also I ceased feeling that. And I re- and so even talking about it, I think, wow, that a slow erosion of mm-hmm. something in me, mm-hmm. which that really does trouble me you know? And I think yeah. that that's probably not untrue of so many others as you've already spoken a bit of, of yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's, we forget.
0: Yes. Right? We, we
1: just forget. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and it's not until we encounter someone else modeling something, or we happen to experience that pocket of time where no one can reach us, you know, we're, we're out camping or whatever it might be, right. Um, that, we realize it's like a a, a kind of awakening, you know, from the sleepwalk, right? Of like, oh, wait, it doesn't have to be this way, right? So just one quick example I was thinking about when you were talking was um, when I was, um, I had a colleague uh, many years ago, who in his email um, signature, um, under all his usual information, he had um, what hours he would be on email, what hours he would be checking. That's brilliant. And exactly. I, 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 it, I never occurred to me that one could do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he was a professor and he was communicating and he said, he tells his students, like, you can always count on me to be checking and responding to emails during these hours. But then these other hours are not, you know, I'm not going to be on. Right. And, and he wasn't, um, a curmudgeonly Luddite, fuddy-duddy, older, yeah. you know, he was like a young, trendy, just right on the cutting edge of mark, you know, digital marketing and advertising, like he was in the industry world. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought, wow, if he could do this,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like
1: surely I can do this. Right. So it's like encountering those sorts of like interesting models of like people mm-hmm. living in a different way. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that, that kind of ignites something and be like,
0: Oh, oh yeah, I, I could, what would that be like? <laughs> could do that, Yeah. Or what would it look like for me? How would yeah. I tailor this to my life? I also yeah. sit here and I think it's, I, and it's so easy for me to think this and point a finger to someone at mm-hmm. someone else, you know, what we're not really addressing this in the pulpits of our churches. Like, I think this is a really, really relevant topic. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Totally. I mean, I think usually it's a topic that gets relegated to maybe a Sunday school series mm. or youth group because we think it's a young person's problem. Um, but I think it is front and center to our contemporary discipleship, period, yes. actually. Oh, I wow. think it's, it's yes. completely forming us in ways that we haven't even begun yeah. to fully grasp and to the extent that we, as we've been talking, forget, mm-hmm. like we, we forget how it actually feels, mm-hmm. right? To not be "quote unquote" on, um, should be a a troubling, um, central question to anyone who is 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 wanting to journey and pilgrim towards mm. intimacy with God, right? And and the life of following Jesus. It's just like. This is this is exactly if you want to use old fashioned terminology, right? Uh, we used to be uh, more quick to talk about idols and idolatry, yeah. yes, and the right. impact of idols, and and you know not in the kind of cartoonish mm-hmm. um, ways, but in the kind of most profound you know ways in which we look to other sources of of belonging and identity and sense of significance and well-being in other places besides God, mm-hmm. right? And then I think about all the reasons why I check my email or tend to my social media or whatever, like all the actual motivations, mm-hmm. like what am I looking for when I kind of die? you know, if I can scrape all the way down to the bottom, it's like, oh, wait a second, right? Those are the things I'm supposed to be grounding myself in my identity in Christ with, but I seem to have run over here, right? It's, it's, uh, it's the kind of Augustinian, right? Plight of, of, of running and restlessly, right? Looking right. For, for God in other places,
0: right? Being right. filled in other places besides um, who God is. Right. Hence the title of your book, Restless Devices, right? Yeah. 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 Um, One of the things, and I think we need to, uh, or it'd be helpful, I think, to get into this, um, to talk a little bit about what you have done in your classroom, you know, and initially you, you began with a specific exercise and you said you've done this for over a decade. And I think, and you Mm -hmm. can help me with the timeline. Eventually you, moved into um, the, and I want to get the name right. Let me see if I can on my device, if I can manage to get back (laughs) where I need to be, which I'm not really adept at doing Ah, the beginning, that's what I want. Um, then you started doing something called the freedom project. So I don't know if, if when you first assigned this media fast to your class, Mm -hmm. if this was called the freedom project or if it eventually morphed into that. Mm. So so maybe give us the history there and talk about what you at least first started doing in your classes initially.
1: Yeah. So, um, I teach a class called Internet and Society, and for years I've always assigned a 24-hour digital fast, and um, it it was always just assigned as a as a kind of shock to the system, uh, a sort of. let's <laughs> be, it was, yeah. Let's be real now. Um, let's let's feel the pain. Um, and and I would say years ago when I assigned it. Um, students were really in a fair bit of pain, right? They would be like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, they would groan before and then they would groan during and groan after, right? Um, But what's been very interesting is that I started noticing a change, right? That I would continue to assign it, but then there would be some sort of like interest. It's like, oh, that's, you know, like novelty, right? Um, And then it's kind of more openness. And as the years have gone by, and I would say in the last three years, maybe, Um, it's not only, it's not novelty anymore because the idea of fasting from the digital is, 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 is a lot more common in our culture. And certainly even in the church and we're talking about Lent, right. Right. Um, people digitally fast, um, a fair bit during those 40 days. And so, um, but the, um, reflections that students would write were, um, far more, um, positive and, um, oh, I wish I could just do this more often. Like, I I wish I could, but I don't know how, right? Um, Which was very interesting to me. And so uh, two years ago, I started um, rolling this out as a larger uh, set of exercises um, that became the Freedom Project. And in large part, it came from reading other books that are out there. I'm thinking about Katherine Price's book, um, How to Break Up With Your Phone, right? She's kind of got this 30 day plan sort of thing, which is kind of fun, it's a fun title. And she has these great exercises and and kind of life hacks and so forth. And I just kind of pulled on a number of these different um, suggestions that other authors have put out there and created this sequence of what I call, their exercises for my students But I like to think of them, I do tell them that they are experiments, right? That this is not something that is supposed to lead you to some given end, right? Like some known end. And there's no way to fail, right? There's no success or failure, Mm -hmm. Um, but they are experiments. Experiments give you data. That's what they give you. They give you a better understanding of what you're actually doing, a better understanding of where your kind of weak points might be right? That give us a chance to reflect Then, And so we still start off with the fast, but then we uh, actually, my students in my class right now are doing this right now, Ooh, the nice. second stage, <laughs> uh, which is a digital stock taking, which is um, a number of exercises that just encourage uh, folks to become more aware mm. of what is happening when the phone is in their hand, Mm -hmm. or what it is that is driving them to look at it when they're standing in the grocery store line, right? It's, it's a set of exercises that just are saying, Hey, let's just think about this. Mm -hmm. And then it moves on to, um, uh, trying new experiments. Um, and so, um, trying new routines, waking up, going to bed, um, different types of Um, I talk about monotasking and experiment in monotasking. So instead of um, doing multiple things with our devices, um, you know, we're watching your Netflix while you're posting on social media, right? And doing your homework at the same time. speaking my language minus the homework. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We actually choose to monotask. And that might look like just watching Netflix, right? But we might even kind of push it a little further. Right. And I think the interesting places of monotasking are driving and eating, actually. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating alone, right, if you just like having lunch or breakfast and you're on your own, what would it be like to just read? Sorry, just eat and not be reading and not be, you know, listening to music or whatever. Um, What would it be like to drive and just drive? and not listen to a podcast like this one, which is great. <laughs> um, um, but just to be driving and, and to feel the silence of it. And it, it gets back to what you were saying earlier about, about forgetting what it's like, the consciousness before mobile devices, right? Mm-hmm. In some ways, the driving in your car in a familiar setting that's just silent, right? Um, maybe what that means is some of us get anxious. You know, a lot of my students, say that, right. They're like, I'm afraid to be alone and Mm -hmm. quiet in my own thoughts. Right. And and that's okay. Right. I say we, and that's part of the exercise. It's like, it's okay. Um, you just want to then when you have a moment, think about, okay. And pray
0: about like, what's that about? Yes. Right. You know? Um, and yeah. Well, Well, and even when you said that, uh, you said afraid, and But then you added, with my own thoughts, I just grabbed onto afraid. I have felt a little fear. Oh, I left home, rarely happens, and forgot my phone. Oh, let me just oh, yeah. circle back and get it. Or, no, just go. Mm-hmm. There have been many years of your life where that cell phone did not exist. Did you die? Were you whatever? Are you a- Yes. You know what what's so scary about it because, yes. because we now equate it with and maybe this is some of the marketing too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you probably know this. We equate it with a safety device. Yes. Yes. And and, and so then I go, well what yes. do I, what do I do about that? Cuz I yeah. I tend to buy into yes. that and believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I I think
1: um I think this is where um, there's a term called Um, technological affordances. Hmm. And what it means is that technology, there are some ways in which technologies impact us, not because anyone's forcing us to use it a certain way, but what the technology does is it creates an affordance. It creates an opportunity that did not exist before. Okay, so before mobile devices, when you drove away from home and your house burned down (laughs) like you didn't know, (laughs) like didn't know till you came back. Exactly. Right. There's just no possibility. Um, Now, Mm -hmm. having the phone, your neighbor can call you. Right. Or or, whatever it is, the safety. Right. Right. You can. It creates an affordance. Again, no one's forcing you to do it. Um, Most of the time, nothing happens. Right, um, but now that we can have it, it's very difficult to not take it with us, and and as you said, start to feel fear when we don't have it. Um, and so, it um, in that sense, the technology is still profoundly impacting us, right? Just yeah. by creating an opportunity that previously, with limitations and scarcity, we just never never thought about, you could never, you know, even deal with. it. And so I, I often, I, I feel the same way. Um, I, I'm quite, um, anxious when I don't, when I forget my phone. Right. And, and I do find, I, I have to stop and ask myself, Lord, what is that? Yeah. Like, what am I really afraid of? And, and is that a control thing for me? <laughs> is that a, you know, like whatever it is, um, I want to be free like, I want to live free. free. Mm.
0: And and I, can I just say, you're asking great spiritual direction questions. Uh, you know, these are it's because it's always about what lies underneath, what, you know, what is the deeper issue and what is the deeper invitation then Mm. when we recognize what that deeper issue Mm. is, Mm. what is God inviting us into Mm. with this real new realization? Mm. You know, that's always that the the question posed um you know very often in spiritual direction. And so um I so you you began. I, I don't want to get I wanna take us back, I think, to um the the freedom project. You know, you began by doing this assignment, this, this 24 hour digital fast, but then you morph this eventually morphed into the freedom project. Mm-hmm. And, and what is that keep, keep talking a little bit mm-hmm. about that and what is the length and breadth or depth of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's called the freedom project because it's trying to, uh, um, shift the way we think about freedom. I think our technologies are marketed to us and we regard them as sources of freedom. They free us from the limitations of our bodies, of our place, of time, right? And, and certainly it does many of those things um, for good or for ill. And um, But I, I I think there's a different kind of freedom that we actually want to live into, right? Um, it is not a freedom from Um, those sorts of, uh, again, human finitude, right? The, those sorts of limitations of, of our human condition, Um, but that we actually desire a freedom to be, for example, fully ourselves, right? Um, With all our, our beauty and our flaws and still be welcomed, right? Still, have someone say, "I love you." I I, I still want to be with you, right? I still want to spend time with you. That's the kind of freedom we actually want, and and um, we want a freedom that comes with um, our relationships with different kinds of things in our lives. Like we want to have free relation, a free freedom in our relationship with our technologies, right? Like we don't want to feel driven. We don't want to feel um, Tyrannized. Um, we want to use the technologies for the good that it can yield, um, but how do we develop a? Um, I think in in the Christian tradition we have an, a good way of putting this: an ordered, a properly ordered
0: relationship, rather than a disordered one. Very good, very good. And and it actually, uh, as you were talking, another word crossed my mind. We talk in the um, so often. Um, in the uh, different settings, maybe a counseling setting about having, needing to draw good boundaries. And we'll talk about good boundaries with people and all kinds mm. of other things, but, mm. you know, but with, what about with technology? Yeah. You yeah. Know, which, which is exactly what you're talking about. How do, we, what, what does a, what does a well-ordered life look like that mm-hmm. includes mm-hmm. L- overlaying that onto our technology use?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where I think um you know what I encourage folks to always or I try to grant them permission mm. or at least speak nice. permission into mm-hmm. their lives by saying I think we are actually allowed to and called to protect what I call sacred times and sacred places. Like we it's okay, right, to turn off your phone during certain times and be like I need this sacred time to either be with myself, solitude and God, or be with this other person in our time together, right? Or this place needs to be sacred, right? Like my bedroom or this dining table or this place under the tree, right? Like as human beings, we need Mm -hmm. these pockets, right? Of, Of beauty and communion and rest, right? Um, I always, I only half joke. I, I, I think my students think I'm joking, but I, I'm always <laughs> quite serious when I'm like, sleep is a holy thing, right? Yes. It is sacred and holy. Yes. Protect your sleep, right? Like it is what restores us. It, you need, right? And, and that's, that's part of it is, is that the, the, the dynamics of our technologies are 24 seven, the notifications will always keep coming, right? It will not stop. And so we need to put up, like you're saying, the boundaries, yeah. whatever it looks like in one's life to say, well, but this time, you know, is just for yes, this person or prayer
0: or myself. I love that. Love that. I, I think that's so helpful and so important. And you, boy, you uh, you know, I can't recommend um, restless devices enough. And one of the things that I love that you do, you're very generous and enlisting some tremendous resources that are complementary to what you're talking about in your Mm -hmm. book. And I I really appreciate that. So so maybe let's just transition for um, our last few moments to talk about the fact that we are coming up on Lent. And again, I know Mm -hmm. people listen to podcasts, you know, all different times, but a lot of them a lot of folks will download and listen to this right before um, Lent begins. And I, I think it, maybe it's human nature, or is it my nature, <laughs> my singular human nature, to to try and do it all at once, you know, go for the gusto, like at the first of the year, you know, I'm going to make these, not this singular small change and try and uh, live with that over time. Oh, no, I'm going to make many changes <laughs> and fail at them all. So w- when, when you talk to someone who might be thinking about, hmm, maybe uh, maybe my Lenten fast will mm. include or be mm. something in the digital world. What are some suggestions that yeah. you have for people?
1: Mm. Yeah, so um, in the spirit of, of picking up small tasks <laughs> – <laughs> um, one suggestion along the lines of sacred places is to think about perhaps if, if you're someone who goes to bed with your phone right next to you, um, maybe putting it a little further away, whether it's across the, on the other side of the room or if you're like me, someone who's completely weak-willed, um, I need to put it on the other side of the house um, <laughs> and, and just see how that goes, right? Um, and that creates a, a kind of sacred space, um, when you're going to sleep, um, in terms of sacred time, it might look like, um, committing yourself to, um, having either the first, well, I usually think of, I, I I'm, I don't know if it's cause I'm a morning person. I think of this more in terms of mornings, waking up and having the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes be tech free. Mm. Um, just 10, 15 minutes, whatever else your routine may be. Um, but just not having the email or the feed or the notifications be the f- very first thing that engages your mind and your spirit, but having it be, you know, the, the shower or the coffee or the sunrise you know, or the rambunctious children. So I'm going to, I'm going to,
0: I hope I don't throw a wrench into this. So, yeah, yeah, me, go for it. For me, it is not going to the news, not, but starting on my device, pray as you go, which is a <laughs> 10 to 13 minute uh, yeah. Lexio Divina exercise. Yeah. That slows me down, but it's interesting, but it is, I access it from my device. That's how you get yeah. it. And I, um, but I always feel like that's different than opening up my yeah. news emails or whatever. But, you know, you're saying something different and I really need to, uh, and I'm thinking and paying attention to this. I just wanted to interject yeah. that, that people go to the Bible apps, The you know, this is so yeah. interesting. It's pervasive. All yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, I think that's where Lent might be a really wonderful time to actually experiment with. Um, we, you know, maybe we do have the Bible app and the prayer app, right. And the meditation app, and, and that's what we're going to do, but it might be an interesting season to actually detach those, right. And, and go back to the old fashioned, you know, yeah. paper version, yeah. um, or, or whatever, uh, non-digital, mm-hmm. um, and, and cause that is what is so, um, difficult for us, I think as human beings, um, to disaggregate. When all the things are in one app,
0: one screen, it's the same
1: screen that is doing Candy Crush and meditation Mm. and all the demanding emails, right? And I just don't think as human beings, somewhere deep inside, we can actually pull those apart. Yes, right? They they all kind of do bleed into each other in some deep place. I don't know where.
0: (laughs) But I I am with you. I agree. I think you're 100% right. Yeah.
1: So if there's a way just for a time to like pull those apart. Um, just to see what would happen, I think would be super interesting.
0: Yep, for sure. And so, I mean, I thank you for that, um, encouragement to start small, but to start and Mm -hmm. Lent might be the place, Mm -hmm. the time, you know, Mm -hmm. or whenever you hear this podcast, uh, what's your hope? I mean, you know, people that pick up and, Mm -hmm. and decide to read restless devices, Mm -hmm. bottom line, what do you hope the impact will be?
1: Yeah. Um, So two things. One is I do hope that it does generate hope um, that people don't feel as stuck, um, but that there there, there feels like feasible paths forward. Um, But the second one is a little more ambitious, I think. My hope is that people will start having conversations with each other in Mm -hmm. their households or in their church communities, workplaces, because in the end of the day, we can do these sort of individual kind of adjustments, but for it to be sustainable and actually kind of hospitable, Mm -hmm. right? Like we kind of need other people in our lives to be arcing in the same
0: direction. I so appreciate that thought. Yes. Um, And so bringing
1: that into these larger spaces and conversations will have to be the way forward for anything to be sustainable, you know, really. Um, and and transformative, like in deep ways, especially for our faith
0: communities. I agree. Wow. And your second one um, warms my heart because I end the podcast every time with this same phrase and I'll, First I'll thank you for being with me. Thank you so much, Felicia Wusong, for writing Restless Devices and for sharing this time on the podcast. It's it's been great. Thank you. Yeah. And then I'll end with this tagline that you'll hear and to everyone else. As always, I say keep the conversation going.